if Donald Trump does lose this election, we will have gone from the first black president to the first orange president to the first translucent president. You might think I'm referring to Joe Biden's policies and his campaign or the facade that he's a competent individual capable of leading the world's greatest nation, but no. I'm actually talking about how Joe Biden is physically transparent. Many people think Joe is just really white, but it just so happens that that whiteness that you're seeing is actually his bones. You see, his skin has been pulled so tight via numerous cosmetic procedures over time that you can actually see right through him. Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane, should I bend my name, Mr. Cellophane, cause you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm there. I know, and surely you're saying to yourself, but he can, he's got to be more than just bones and skin. No, no, no muscles, no tendons, not even blood. Those disintegrated when the adrenochrome supply dried up during the pandemic. He's, for the record, potentially the president-elect cellophane. And that brings me to, uh, to the meat puppet's puppeteer. I mean, his running mate, Kamala Harris says, now America knows anyone can achieve anything because she, a woman of color, is the potential vice president-elect. If you asked Siri a couple days ago, she actually was the president for a minute there. But who knows, maybe one day we'll even have a black president. Oh, wait. But I thought we lived in a profoundly racist nation that would never allow a woman of color to ascend to the second highest office in the land. Oh, wait. Well, I mean, I guess that one's not written in stone yet. But it turns out that you really can sleep your way to the top. And she's potentially one big sleep away from cackling behind the resolute desk. And the rest of us won't be laughing, despite the fact that it would be a joke. Also, while I'm on a roll here, let me just go ahead, drop trow, and take a big steaming shit all over Fox News. Fuck these clowns. Fox News is the Mitt Romney of news networks. I've always suspected it as much, and I've said even similar things on this show before. Just because Fox News is closer to what conservatives want than the China News Network, the China News Network, or the MSDNC, doesn't make them a good thing at the end of the day. It just makes them less shitty. And then you have them obviously on election night being the first to call Arizona, which started this whole fucking tailspin to begin with. And they pretend that their decision team is beyond reproach. And then sure enough, we find out the guy who makes the call, Arnhem Mishkin, is the one who's supposed to be this bipartisan arbiter of vote tallies who, according to Megyn Kelly, who looked Stephen Crowder right in the face on her show and said, Arnhem Mishkin is not a political guy. He doesn't care about who wins. He cares about getting it right. Well, unfortunately, Miss Kelly uh, is not as great of a journalist as she is uh, eye candy. Mishkin is, as a matter of fact, a registered Democrat who voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016, worked as a Democrat political consultant, and has been a, and has had a long record, rather, of donating to Democrats, including the 2008 Obama-Biden campaign. This guy donated money to Joe Biden's campaign in 2008, and now he's supposed to be the moral arbiter of truth on Fox News, and we're supposed to just take him at his word, 
Arizona was in the bag. It may end up being the case, but they called it way too early, as they probably did with Virginia, which again worked out in their favor. But neither here nor there, Fox News has completely turned. Some of you may have seen this viral video going around of, a, I believe her name is Real Tina Forty on Twitter. Uh, Tina Forte, I believe her name is, a young woman from the Bronx who uh, spoke her mind about Fox News recently, and the video went viral. I've actually reached out to her to uh, to see if I can get her on the show. So if you're interested in doing uh, in in hearing something like that, tweet her at real Tina Forty and let her know she needs to come on the right opinion. I've actually heard back from her already, but she's in D.C. at the MAGA March or the the, the million MAGA March, as some are calling it. But while I'm sticking with Fox News right now, that brings me to Sandra Smith, known best for her pretty eyes, decent rack, and garbage takes. She has or was, I guess, caught on a hot mic recently, essentially taking a shit on one of their own guests who was suggesting that we don't yet know who won this election, because, in fact, we don't. Nothing's been certified. There are pending lawsuits. We'll see where it goes. But Sandra was caught saying, quote, what's going on, Trace? We called it, end quote. Well, Sandra, let me tell you something about how this works. You don't decide elections. We, the people, do. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say once Fox News makes a call, the rest of the nation needs to accept it as absolute fact. As a matter of fact, Fox News is a laughingstock amongst both the right now and even the left until it appears that, of course, Fox News has jumped to their side. Now you have Brian Stelter waxing poetic on CNN's own broadcast about how wonderful Fox News' decision desk is. And the Twitter libs even have phrases like even Fox News trending as if they speak for all of us or any of us. Let me be perfectly clear about this. Fuck Fox News. And as much as I like Tucker and I respect Bongino, obviously, Sarah Carter and Byron York and Katie Pavlich and people who frequent that network, and as much as I adore Ainsley Earhart, they can all go eat a big dick if they're going to just be CNN's slightly redder cousin, okay? And Ainsley, if you need one, I might be able to find one for you. Now, I guess it makes a whole lot more sense as to why Fox News initially turned down the Hunter Biden's laptop story, doesn't it? They were always just Biden their time in hopes that the mean orange man would be defeated and they could go back to pushing us into unjust wars. I'm Harrison Bergeron, and this is The Right Opinion. The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days. But that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's The Right Opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. I've spoken to Republican officials across the country. They have come up with zero evidence of widespread fraud. And that is not true. 
That is absolutely not true. People have signed legal documents, affidavits, stating that they saw illegal activities. And that is why we need to have this conversation in, in court. The New York Times itself said that there were clerical errors. If no you look at what happened in Michigan, fraud, Governor, that's uh, that we had different. computer glitches that changed Republican votes to Democrat votes. You look in Pennsylvania, dead people voted in Pennsylvania. So, George, I don't know how widespread it is. I don't know if it'll change the outcome of the election. But why is everybody so scared just to have a fair election and find out? Uh, we gave Al Gore 37 days to run the process before we decided who was going to be president. Why would we not afford the 70 0.6 million Americans that voted for President Trump the Governor. same consideration. That's right. And that is Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota, I believe. And she's dropping some knowledge on George Snuffleupagus there, who, if he ends up replacing Alex Trebek as the host of Jeopardy, man, I hope they cancel the fuck out of him. <laughs> I find they, they hope they find a way to cancel George Snuffleupagus because people will be upset that he's obviously a white male. He's an old rich guy. He's, um, you know, for that matter, George Snuffleupagus seems to go under the radar on the whole Me Too thing, but he was running around calling, um, you know, women who said that they slept with Bill Clinton like trailer trash bimbos, and all you got to do is drag, a, uh, you know, a dollar through a, through a trailer park to find some of these women or whatever it was. So George, not exactly the greatest track record. Fuck him. And I'm very happy that Christy Nome served him a little bit of truth there. And we are going to talk about some of that voter fraud that she referenced on this show, and what is this show? Of course, it's The Right Opinion. You heard the music, and you heard it at the beginning, but be sure to follow us on therightopinion.podbean.com or hominmediagroup.podbean.com or ratsaladreview.com or, hey, do all of the above and catch us out on your podcatcher of choice. Just search The Right Opinion. It will be the one with the thumbnail that is black and white and red all over like the New York Times used to be. Also, follow us on social media at Right Opinion Pod on Twitter, Parlor, and Instagram. And uh, that's it for the plugs, I believe. But uh, also check our friends out over at RatsaladReview.com. All of your wonderful music-related and, and above and beyond pop culture stuff galore over at RatsaladReview.com. And, of course, HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Our friends over there, the Ayatollah. Uh, Dancing Stevie Richards, you got Strangler Steve King, Billy Ray Valentine, a whole cast of characters covering a whole variety of different shows. Uh, they even have their own God of Thunder, so I've been told. But anyway, let's get into some of this here. But before we get into the actual evidence, of which I have plenty, and frankly, I barely scratched the surface on some of these reports that are coming out, it's very hard to keep up with because it seems like, obviously, you've look, we've got about five or six states that really matter here, right? We got Georgia, we've got Arizona, Nevada, we've got Michigan, Pennsylvania, potentially Wisconsin as well. Um, there, there's a lot of chicanery, and it all seems to conspicuously be going on in these states. Now, could that be because those are the states that we're looking closer at? Absolutely. I'm sure there was fraud in other states. I'm sure there might be less fraud than reported in some of these states. But the bottom line is, is that we don't know until we know. And the lack of curiosity by the Democrats, the media, Hollywood, the Twitter libs, the blue check marks, and all of the TikTok thoughts out there, None of them seem to be even remotely interested in finding out whether or not Joe Biden legitimately won. You would think if Joe Biden did legitimately win and they were all super confident about it, they would love a second opportunity to rub it in our faces. But no, they are not doing that. So if you've been paying attention to the media, 
even in their attempts to kind of censor a lot of these stories, they've shifted the goalposts. It started with no evidence of voter fraud, which turned into no evidence of widespread voter fraud, which turned into no evidence of essentially results uh, altering voter fraud, meaning that there might be some widespread voter fraud, but it might not be widespread enough to overturn the results of the election. I fully suspect that the next goalpost shift will be there was no evidence that an election ever actually occurred. What are you talking about, you crazy Trump supporters? Trump was never president. What do you mean? Hillary Clinton won in 2016, and then she just handed it off to Joe Biden, because that's sort of how the Constitution works, kind of. Not that any of them would know anyway, but I'm sorry. Regardless of what level of voter fraud evidence you're willing to accept, you're going to have to pardon me for just not paying attention to the imbeciles who believed in Russian collusion with no real evidence, and then they believed that Trump was guilty of some sort of quid pro quo when the actual evidence pointed to the meat puppet that they just elected to be the potential president-elect. He's still not, by the way. Um, that guy was the one who was actually involved in the quid pro quo. They believed anonymous whistleblowers said Trump called fallen soldiers suckers and losers, despite the fact that 10 witnesses came forward on the record and was corroborated by an email chain saying that what Trump's claims about the incident were ended up being absolutely true. They believed, including Vice President Honorees, they believed Brett Kavanaugh was a gang rapist based on the ramblings of a lunatic, and even CNN eventually backed away from that. And whose lawyers, by the way, or whose lawyer, by the way, was ultimately thrown in jail for trying to extort Nike less than six months after the Julie Swetnick accusations. Just throwing that out there. They believe that Trump called Nazis very fine people, despite direct evidence that he clearly stated he was not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists who he said should be, quote, condemned totally, end quote. They believe that Obama never spied on the Trump campaign when we have the FISA warrants that they were acquired based on unverified information that they renewed even after knowing that that information not only was unverified, but at that point had been debunked. They believe Susan Rice was just documenting an innocent meeting when she emailed herself that Obama told us to do everything by the book. They believe that Hillary Clinton had nothing to hide, despite destroying evidence with hammers and a now-known deal with the FBI to sequester some of her emails from examination because they were, quote, personal or related to the business and had nothing to do with her involvement in government. Gee, I wonder where all of the sketchy emails ended up. They believe that General Flynn, a three-star decorated lieutenant general, <laughs> they think this guy was a traitor to his country, despite the fact that every single aspect of that case has been completely torn to shreds by hard evidence that was provided by our own government. So I'm sorry, folks, but I'm just going to have to take a real hard pass on the standard of evidence of Hollywood, the Democrats, the media, the Twitter libs, the blue check marks, and the TikTok thoughts. I'm sorry. Go back to your cheese doodles, to your TikTok ass shaking, and to your basement full of cats and your fridge full of soy. It's time for the adults to take charge. Now let's take a look at some of this evidence. I'm going to start first and foremost, somebody I, I, I adore. Let's just go ahead and say it. It has to be said. Ms. Diana West, renowned author of, uh, of The Red Thread, as well as The Death of the Grown-Up, 
uh, and and there was another one as well. American Betrayal, I believe, is the other book. Um, ladies, find you somebody who loves you the way I love Diana West. Okay, so I discovered her on YouTube a while back. I think I've probably talked about it on here. But um, in addition to being brilliant and writing all these books and being you know, very, very kind of outside the box, but at the same time, very grounded in her approach and, and the way that she not only researches, but provides evidence. But then when you actually, if you ever get the pleasure to, to hear Miss West talk, do so. Um, she's just got this incredible tenor and tone to her voice. In addition to the fact she's brilliant, it's, it's, it's captivating, I will say. So nevertheless, she, she liked my tweet or I sent the tweet out about her the other day and she liked it and thanked me for tweeting it. And I was, I blushed a little. Never mind. All right. So her, her blog from dianawest.net, election news six. This was like day six of the election. In this blog entry, Miss West shows us how computer glitches are moving votes around, even in some of the lower races. She uses the example of the Kentucky governor's race. Diana provides evidence in the form of screenshots from CNN's election night coverage. The screenshots show the precise moment when CNN gets a new batch of votes in, and the votes are updated onto their graphics. But you can plainly see in this particular batch of votes, 560 votes went to the Democrat candidate, and 560 votes were taken away from the Republican candidate. There were no other changes. 560 votes went from one candidate to the other, which netted out to zero votes added total. And this information can be seen in a series of screenshots because they actually have the graphic up top and then the graphic down below. And there is a little bit of a delay between one getting updated and the other getting updated. And you could see the two in the same screenshot of the two different totals where, look, the Republican lost votes. You can say all you want to say about votes that are added. Even the idiots out there were completely uncurious about, or incurious, I guess, about uh, the 100,000 vote block that came in 100% for Biden. People were, oh, well, it's a Biden county. I guess it makes sense. That No, that's still mathematically almost impossible for that to be the case. But even if that were the case, those are votes added. How do you take away votes from somebody? And Conveniently enough, the exact amount of votes that were added on to the Democrat. At a bare minimum, it's definitely suspicious. So that's Diana West, and she points all this out. And look, if this is a computer glitch, if it comes out to it's a glitch and it's a mistake, that's bad enough. If it's nefarious, that's really bad. But if it is a computer thing, it's something that should be auditable, right? There's no way that they can go back and retroactively change the codes that counted the votes the way that they wanted them to be counted at this point, because to undo the code would be to undo the results. So if there is any legitimacy to the computer glitch stuff, it, there's, there's going to be a trail. And some smart cybersecurity or IT type guys should be able to get in there, look at the raw data, and make a determination as to whether or not the numbers that came in are legit or not. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard to do. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at, uh, well, there was a gentleman here from Reddit. I guess it was formerly Reddit, as a matter of fact. It used to be Reddit. Uh, now it is the thedonald.win. Uh, so the folks from the Gateway Pundit, roll your eyes all you'd like. They are on top of some of these stories where the mainstream media is not. Anyway, so we are here, and they are talking about some of these glitches that were being reported. And uh, and they found this thread on the thedonald.win where a bunch of, there's a bunch of like IT guys that have basically um, kind of farmed all of this data 
from some of these voting locations and run kind of queries against it to see some of the some of the irregularities that they believe are going on and they think that there there was as many as just in Pennsylvania alone 200,000 votes that were switched and potentially close to a million that were just lost removed from the system altogether so how did they ascertain this information well they went and they got the actual data from the voter rolls supposedly they did link it all throughout their post here i'm going to put the gateway article post uh in the show notes for you and then that links you to the Donald Dot Win page, which you're welcome to look at, but the Gateway Pundit article by Joe Hoft here actually does a good job of kind of breaking down what it is. Now, I went and looked on it myself, and they show, and I'm going to try and dumb this down because the numbers, the specific numbers in this particular case are kind of irrelevant because it's just one example anyway, but they show, let's say, you've got, I'm going to use round numbers here just for the purposes of, of making life easy for myself. You've got 500,000 votes in. Better yet, let's make them a million. There's a million votes in, right? And it'll show you got Biden and then the percentage, Trump and then the percentage, and then the total number of votes. That's kind of how it's calculated on the back end to keep it kind of shorthand, right? You don't need to put the exact number of votes. You just need to put the percentage and the total, and then that will always make sense. No matter how many votes are added in, no candidate would ever lose votes. They might lose percentage but they won't ever lose votes. So you have a hundred, a million votes in, right? Like that's what I said. And then you have, let's say, Trump 50, Biden 50. Then you get another batch of votes in. They come in, it, so it would say Trump 50, Biden 50, 1 million underneath it. So you know a million votes came in, they each have 50%. Then let's say another batch of votes comes in. Now you have 100,000 votes that come in, so you have 1.1 million votes and above, it would reflect the changes in the percentage. Well, in this particular case here, the number changed, and the percentages changed, and you can see that if you do the math on the percentage, up top here, Trump had 50% of 1 million, which is 500,000, but down here, he had, after the shift, he only had 43% of 1.1 million, which is less than 500,000. Just throwing the, the numbers out there again. You could see this. I looked at a couple of these. I ran the math myself. It is, in fact, accurate if the data set that they are working with is the actual data set that was being tabulated for the official election results. I, I cannot confirm that. Again, they linked it in the note in the article here. As a matter of fact, I could try and pull it up here real quick just to make sure. But a lot of it is screenshots and stuff. They didn't want to go directly to links, but they do have some of the links themselves. Let me see if I can find the actual information. I think they put it way at the bottom. Sorry, folks, this is a not great radio at the moment, but yeah, here is an example. Sorry, they got so many goddamn links here. Okay, here is the Edison election data. Now, it looks just like a. F it is pages and pages and pages and pages of code none of which yours truly can identify. So again, I'm kind of leaning on these people being who they say they are. They they put in a lot of effort if they weren't actually running these computer queries and all this sort of stuff. The page unto itself is a lot. Again, it's, it's beyond my expertise. But this is just one example of people finding some irregularities. Might that be an extraordinarily extreme example of some of the regularities? Might that be ac inaccurate? I don't know. It's been... Uh, declared as unaudited at the moment, even by the Gateway Pundit, in fairness to them. Joe Hoft is working on getting people to audit this information to see what's going on there. But we do know, without a shadow of a doubt, 
that there have been some computer glitches involved in the tabulation of votes in this election. We know that definitively. Example A, Exhibit A, Your Honor, is in Michigan, in Antrim County, which I may have even talked about last show. One county, that particular county, flipped 6,000 votes from Biden to Trump. Now, it's only a county that has maybe about 10,000 voters in it. Um, so you were looking at like a vote total of 6,500 to 3,500. Problem was is that people noticed right away that's not a Biden county. And for him to win 65-35 seems a little odd. That's a very red, very Trumpy county. Went very hard for Trump in, in, uh, in Michigan, Antrim County, back in 2016. No reason to suggest it would have had that big of a shift the other way. And sure enough, when they looked into it, it turned out that the computer had swapped the two vote tallies. So Trump's votes went to Biden and Biden's votes went to Trump. Now, how does that something like that even happen? You would figure with all of the tests that they run supposedly on the software to try to make it legit, that that would be stuff that they would make sure under no circumstances could any code in any way even come close to flipping the results in a particular county. That's not a glitch, folks. That sounds to me like a feature. And so let's go on to Georgia as well, where they've also had some issues with some computer glitches. This is not from the Gateway Pundit. This is from Politico. And it reads as follows. A technology glitch that halted voting in two Georgia counties on Tuesday morning was caused by a vendor uploading an update to their election machines the night before, a county election supervisor said. Voters were unable to cast machine ballots for a couple of hours in Morgan and Spalding counties after the electronic devices crashed, state officials said. The companies uploaded something late last night which is not normal, and it caused a glitch, said Marsha Ridley, election supervisor at Spalding County Board of Election. So there you have it, from people on the ground there, randomly, the night before the election, in an unheard of, unprecedented move, Dominion Software uploaded a, a, an update to the software right the night before the election, and that caused a glitch that caused these two particular counties to go down for two hours. And look, I mean, at the end of the day, could these people have come back and ultimately voted? Sure, but a lot of votes were lost there. People got work, man. They got things to do. If they ran over on their lunch break, they can't wait for two hours for the machines to come back up. Maybe they couldn't get back after work. Maybe they couldn't get back before the polls closed even later at night. Whatever the case may be, a two-hour gap is a lot of disenfranchised voters. And Georgia, my God, I mean, this is, the, this is the place where they still claim Stacey Abrams should have won, even though she lost by more than 50,000 votes. They claim some sort of voter suppression that they've shown no evidence of. But here we have actual evidence of some irregularities, right, at a minimum. It doesn't necessarily need to be fraud. It might not even be nefarious. But this glitch is a problem. Two hours worth of disenfranchised voters in counties that probably would have leaned Trump is a problem for obviously the Trump campaign and America, ultimately. And what's really odd about what's going on down in Georgia is that they should have known better because they were warned. I bring you to an article from the Epoch Times written by Jeff Carlson. This one will be in the show notes. If you read no other article from the show notes today, this is the one I implore you to read. And I will read the, the pertinent section to you now, the section entitled Concerns Over Election Systems. In an August 24 declaration from Harry Hursty, an acknowledged expert on electronic voting security, 
provided a firsthand description of problems he observed during the June 9 statewide primary election in Georgia and the runoff election on August 11th. Hursty had been, quote, authorized as an expert inspecting and observing under the Coalition of Good Governance's Rule 34 inspection request in certain polling places and the Fulton County Election Preparation Center. Hursty summarized his findings as follows, and I quote, The scanning and tabulation software settings being employed to determine which votes to count on hand-marked paper ballots are likely causing clearly intentioned votes not to be counted. The voting system is being operated in Fulton County in a manner that escalates the security risk to an extreme level. And also, he says, voters are not reviewing their BMD, which is ballot marking devices, printed ballots, which causes BMD-generated results to be unauditable due to the untrustworthy audit trail. Moving on in the article itself, it says that during observation in Peachtree Christian Church in Atlanta, Georgia, Hursty noted that, quote, the scanner would vary in the amount of time it would take to accept or reject a ballot, end quote. During observation, oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading that paragraph again. Hersey stated that a dedicated system should not experience variable delays and noted that, quote, we are always suspicious about any unexpected variable delays as those are common telltale signs of many issues, including a possibility of unauthorized code being executed, end quote. Hersey observed varying processing times at different locations, further raising concerns as identical physical devices should not behave differently while performing the identical task of scanning a ballot. End quote. So that's the article. My God, that seems very, very sketchy to me. So basically what Hursty's saying there is as an expert, somebody who analyzes voting machines, voting systems, voting processes, He's looking at these machines, and they are taking variable times to process the exact same sequence, basically, right? You slide in the vote, it scans, it uploads, it casts the vote, vote tabulated, next vote. That sequence is done on identical machines in counties all across the state and all across the country, for that matter. And there should not be a variation, or at least an extraordinary one, in the time it takes for any given ballot machine to read a ballot. So if there are delays, it could be potentially due to human error, right? Like maybe somebody's not scanning it in right or whatever the case may be, which raises some questions. Part of that unauditable, kind of untrustworthy trail he's talking about. Or when they scan in the machines, certain ballot readers may have some sort of unauthorized code on them that could be changing the vote. So if I'm scanning a vote in vote machine A and it doesn't have any problems, one vote, one second, next process. Okay, now I go to machine two, which is rigged to flip the vote, one vote, one scan, 1.2 seconds. What happened there? What's going on with that extra 0.2 seconds? Well, that could have been the time it took this unauthorized code to run and execute. It's a possibility, and he's an expert, and he's bringing it up. So, so shall I. And uh, unlike Georgia, who, again, was warned and shouldn't have had this problem, Texas took the warning to heart, and they didn't have any problems whatsoever. So the Dominion voting software, which briefly I'll just run through, is a Canadian Dominion voting is a company run out of Canada, which gets its software from a company called Smartmatic, 
which is actually run out of Delaware, but it is run out of Delaware by three Venezuelans who have close ties to Maduro and Chavez. And weirdly enough, at some point during the voting process, these votes are bounced back and forth between a bunch of servers and counted a couple different places, some of which are outside of the country, including Barcelona, Spain. So just throwing that around because all of that seems sketchy, right? Why would this not be an internal process? Why are we trusting anyone related to radical regimes in South America to be involved in this process? Why are we outsourcing to Canadian companies? Uh, it raises a lot of questions. I guess it really could be said that it would be hard to find like an unbiased company to do this no matter what. It would might even be harder to do so in the United States, right? Especially as polarized as we currently are. But at the end of the day, all of that sounds really sketchy, doesn't it? And why is that our system? Why is that what we're relying on to make determinations about who's going to lead not only America, but really the free world? Speaking of the free world, Texas is pretty much the only part of it left. So let's get back to Texas. They were warned. And because they're Texas and they appear to be run by governance much smarter than all the other states, they, they listened to the warning. As a matter of fact, they listened to the warning repeatedly in Texas, according to Kyle Becker on Twitter, at Kyle N.A. Becker. Um, he is uh, saying here, in Texas, Dominion Voting Systems was turned down three times for certification in state elections. It listed numerous reasons why the system had major security issues. Dominion is now linked to voting irregularities in both Michigan and in Georgia. I've already talked to, talked to you about the one in Michigan. I already talked about the one in Georgia. And that software is used in a variety of states across the country. 47 counties in Michigan. We only found an issue in the one so far. But look, the nature of voter fraud is it's hard to catch, right? It's fraud. It's designed to not be good. It's like, you know, it's like trying to catch counterfeiters. Uh, if they're good at their job, you it's very, very hard to catch them. It is the nature of the work that they do. A lot of it could be going on right under our noses. It appears a lot of it has been going on under our noses for a long time now, and it may very well be exposed, which is another reason that I strongly support Donald Trump fighting this tooth and nail until the very, very end. Even if he doesn't overturn the election, he needs to make enough noise to where we never have an election like this again, and perhaps we can clean up the voter rolls that, by the way, Republicans and, and organizations like Judicial Watch have been working on trying to clean up over the years to get people who moved out of the state off of voter rolls, to get people who had died off the voter rolls, the people who were felons and have lost their, their ability to vote off the voter rolls. A lot of these states, particularly the Democratic ones, they don't seem to be interested in doing that because they don't actually have any interest in election integrity. They like to keep it as murky as humanly possible so that they could take advantage of it in the dead of night like they did on November 3rd, 2020. So it's not just uh, Mr. Hertesh who had some issues uh, with the software. As a matter of fact, there was somebody else. There was an MIT scientist who had some issues with this as well. Another article from the Gateway Pundit. It's happening. MIT scientist offers President Trump proof the computer algorithm likely transferred 69,000 votes from Trump to Joe Biden in Michigan. The Gateway Pundit has reported on numerous events in 2020 election which are being referred to as system, quote, glitches end quote, in the media. On Monday night, we provided another glitch, this time in Wisconsin, which, if reversed, would eliminate Biden's lead in the state. They go on from there to recap a little bit of the voter fraud they uncovered in Wisconsin from the other night, but here it is down at the middle of the article, I guess. On Tuesday, Dr. Shiva Ayadurai, 
He's a MIT PhD, the inventor of email, as well as a scientist and an engineer. He shares the results of his team's mathematical analysis of four major county votes in Michigan in the Trump-Biden election that reveals an unfortunate truth about U.S. voting systems. Dr. Shiva and his staff found evidence of Trump-to-Biden vote switching of 138,000 votes in Michigan. And he shows this whole this evidence here. There's a whole presentation in this particular article, which I'll make sure to drop in the show notes for you. But Dr. Shiva also found that more solid Republican precincts saw more Trump votes switch to Biden. And here's the whole video here. But basically, he's just breaking it all down, showing that he found all of these computer algorithms that had been transferring votes from Biden to Trump, much like the ones that I had talked about that the guy from the Donald had found and ones that, for the record, other people suspect had uh, had been implemented as well, including Sidney Powell. She is the attorney for Michael Flynn. She has been open and uh, and pretty brazen about the fact that she thinks these Dominion voting systems had a lot to do with it, that they may have even been pre-programmed to alter a certain percentage of some of the votes that were counted uh, on Election Day that had arrived prior to Election Day to pre-program some of that into a 3% swing towards Biden. Um, she, she's been pretty vocal about that. She's also been on TV talking about the hammer and the scorecard, which for those of you who don't know, there's a, there's a program run by our intelligence agencies or our DOD, or I don't even know where it is actually. Um, but the Pentagon could even be involved and probably is in some respect, but it's called the hammer. It's basically this big NSA type project where they can just spy on anybody and everybody. And you know, like, you know how Amazon can target your ads. Yeah. Just take that times it by about a thousand. And that's basically what the hammer can do. Um, there is a, it's a legitimate thing, uh, that has been in place for a while pre Obama administration, if I'm not mistaken, but I know that it was most certainly utilized and probably abused by the Obama administration, probably even to spy on the Trump campaign and its surrogates, but neither here nor there at the moment, Sidney Powell and many others seem to believe that there is something to this hammer program being used to figure out where the ballots are needed. So they need to manufacture ballots or they need to pump in computer glitches to switch votes, but they can't just do it willy-nilly all over the place, right? They got to know where they're behind and how many ballots they need to flip. Sidney Powell is suggesting that they're using programs like Hammer to, to kind of make some pre-election determinations, essentially polls that you don't even know you're taking because you're just living them and they're spying on you. Um, so probably the most accurate polls, realistically, um, that said, they apparently didn't know enough about it because they kind of panicked in the middle of the night, right? They stopped counting and suddenly all these pallets full of ballots just showed up and they all happen to be for Joe Biden. And many of them, uh, conspicuously were just for the top of the ticket. There was some crazy thing in Michigan where like 90,000 votes only had the top of the ticket marked off. For Biden, whereas on the Trump side of things, like only like 900 votes only had Biden, I mean, only had Trump, but didn't have anything down ballot, which isn't to say that obviously those people couldn't have just voted for Biden, but at such a disproportionate rate, it seems really weird. And I don't buy the idea that there was a lot of really smart people out there that, that thought to themselves, I don't like Trump. Uh, but I, I don't like the Democrats either. So I'm going to vote for Biden and then I'm going to vote Republican down ballot the rest of the ticket. I don't think there's enough nuance in politics these days. And the type of people that went out and voted for Joe Biden are not the type of people that are smart enough to figure that sort of stuff out anyway. So I think that there has got to be something suspicious about all of these 
top-of-the-ticket-only ballots. Because as Derek Hunter, friend of the show, uh, over at The Daily Caller had mentioned, and he writes for Town Hall and a couple other places as well, he, he basically put out on Twitter, because when you're trying to make up volume, you can't get cute with worrying about down ballot. You need to try to just get as many fake va- ballots put together as possible, switch as many fake ballots as possible, whatever you got to do, however you got to do it. You know, even if it comes down to analyzing some of these mail-in ballots and you're a little bit more lenient on people who voted for Biden as far as like whether or not they met all the qualifications, they filled in the circle completely, their address was there, their signature matched. Maybe you're going through it, as I'll, as I'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, you know, if you're somebody who's biased and you look at it and you go, you're looking at two ballots, one voted for Trump, one voted for Biden, and two of them have the same mistake you might be more forgiving for the Biden voter and let that one run through and, and trash the Trump one. Look, we've seen way crazier stuff. We've seen people deep within the government who have basically set fire to their careers to try to, you know, to, to bring down Trump based on nonsense. Alexander Vindman, Eric Charamella, who I'm sure will have a, a nice position in the, uh, in the National Security Council again under Joe Biden, assuming the... Uh, the supposed president-elect cellophane gets there. But anyway, let me get back on track here one more time over to the Gateway Pundit because, again, they're the only ones reporting on any of this sort of stuff. Headline, update, Benford's law has been used to prove election fraud in the past. Joe Biden's numbers in Michigan are 99% flawed, according to the Benford's law model. No surprise that tech giants are banning this information. So not only is this a system used to track potential voter fraud and has been used in the past to prove voter fraud, but it also shows that the big tech giants are not at all interested in getting any sort of truth out there. And even look, even if it's not the truth, even if this is some sort of weird statistical anomaly and there's another explanation for it, why is no one curious and why is no one debunking it, right? If you have a debunking, go for it. Drop that debunking and we can have a conversation about it, right? But no, instead, anything that comes out of the right wing obviously is some sort of fake news propaganda. It gets labeled by Twitter as, this claim has been disputed and we're going to take you to the AP fact check. That's a bunch of fucking malarkey, but uh, we're going to use it anyway. Anyway, so Benford's law has been used by, in many occasions, to prove election fraud in 2000 and 2004 elections, as well as in the 2003 California gubernatorial election, etc. Basically, what this does um, is... It, it looks at data sets, and it shows, Benford's law, that is, that if you were to analyze, let's say, lottery numbers that were called in the last, I don't know, 100 years or whatever it is, there is a statistical case that when you're looking at a group of data, lottery numbers isn't a good one, um, if you're looking at population in, in, in cities across America, right, the propensity for any given number, if you were to just list off the populations of every town in America and pick one of them, the likelihood that any one of those numbers would begin with a digit one is way higher than if you were to grab any of them where the digit is nine. Now, why is that? Well, obviously, because if you're looking at a series of numbers, right, it always starts with one. So every new series that you start there is one. It might not get to nine. For instance, there might be cities, you know, there might be states that they have one person or 10 people, 11 people, 12 people, or 100 people or 1,000 people. But it, that, that set always starts with one. So 
the likelihood that you're going to get to 9,000 is less likely than you're going to stay in the thousands sort of deal. It's a natural distribution of numbers. And with the case of these votes, these votes have uh, like voter numbers on it, right? They, they, they have some sort of registration number, a birth date, a social security number, a voter, a ballot ID number, whatever it may be. And that would be true in that case as well, is that every number uh, and, and, you know, that the natural distribution of these ballots should be that a lot more of them start with a number one and a lot fewer of them start with a number nine. Well, in the Joe Biden election data here, it's all over the map. As a matter of fact, they've got, if you look at the data, and, the, and I'll have this article in the show notes for you as well, um, they have the curve that kind of looks like it starts up top. Like if you're looking at a, at a coordinate, you know, just like a plane, like a little like XY axis, it's got kind of a curve that starts way up on the Y axis and it kind of comes down and, and gets lower and lower closer to the X axis as, um, as it spans out to the right. That's the natural distribution of numbers. You look at Trump's election data and his vote tallies basically mirror that curve. You look at Joe Biden's, and it basically is the complete opposite of this curve. It basically looks like a bell curve to where he had basically, and I keep saying basically, you had almost as many people or many votes that started in sequence with the number five as you did with the number one. And there seems to be threes, fours, fives, and sixes are way more common than they would otherwise be in a natural distribution of numbers. How is that? Why is that? I don't know. Does that mean anything? I don't know. Is it just the statistical anomaly? Is this election just so bizarre and this year just so weird that this is just a totally innocent freak incident? Maybe. But shouldn't we look into it? No? I guess not. But potentially, if this accurate, if this data is accurate and this data is 99.9%, you know, flawed according to Benford's law, one would think somebody should take a look at some of these votes. And we know that there's a lot of issues with some of the votes in Michigan in particular, right? We've got people boarding up election boots, and we've got ballots coming in in the middle of the night. We've got stuff getting flipped in particular counties via computer glitches. I mean, it really just sort of seems like we might have a difficulty proving the fraud because the fraud is so widespread. It's like a scattershot. They're doing some computer stuff. They're bringing in ballots. They're they're taking actual ballots away from old people. Another thing that we'll get to a little bit later on, they're approving certain ballots and not approving other ballots. It just seems as if they did everything all at once, and they just kind of wanted to see what would work, and maybe if they just created enough chaos at the end of the day, it would all get lost in the shuffle. It's like... To you and your friend, you know, you, you both go out and kill somebody and use each other as alibis. Like, I don't know, but it, that's sort of how it feels right now. And uh, not to get too morbid, but that's that's sort of where we're at right now. If they are able to get away with this, uh, assuming that they had anything to get away with, again, um, it's entirely possible Joe Biden just won this election. I just think there are way too many no anomalies for everybody to just be completely disinterested in it. Take a look at all this nonsense going on. All of the computer glitches, all of the laws that are not being abided by, by the people who basically are trying to make them up as they go along. Let's get into some of those. The secretaries of state in Arizona and Pennsylvania are both clearly rabid anti-Trump people. Arizona, you've got the secretary of state that, uh, that, that basically said that Trump, uh, they called Trump supporters neo-Nazis in a tweet or in a statement once. 
This is the Secretary of State of Arizona who's running the elections, basically. They are the one who's at the top of the State Department in Arizona, and that State Department runs the elections in Arizona, similar to uh, to our uh, Secretary of State over in Pennsylvania, Kathy Bukvar. She is um, a rabid anti-Trumper, and of course it was found that there was a bunch of tweets from, uh, from before her time as the Secretary of State talking about uh, I think one of the statements was putting the word president before Trump is really demeaning to the office and stuff like that. This is this is somebody who clearly hates Donald Trump and is making up the rules as she goes along. And fortunately, the, the appeals courts are stepping up and telling her, no, you can't do these things. One of which was this week there was a big decision passed down that voters in Pennsylvania were given by the Secretary of State completely arbitrarily and unconstitutionally uh, a six extra days to show up at the voting booth and to uh, to confirm their identification that they perhaps didn't show up with on election day, rendering their vote invalid as it should. But no, the uh, Secretary of State of Pennsylvania running the elections decided that we were going to try to extend this out and give people more time to come back and, and verify their identification, which is obviously nonsense. And uh, that was those votes will hopefully be getting thrown out now in accordance to an appeals court decision, but it probably will end up in the Supreme Court anyway. And let me get back to Arizona here for a minute. The GOP chairman in Arizona didn't even bother to certify the Dominion voting machines, and she has now stepped down from her position in shame as multiple politicians have asked her to do so. Headline from the Gateway Pundit again. Maricopa GOP chairman steps down after it was revealed that she failed to show up to certify the Dominion voting machine. So she wasn't even interested in showing up to certify these machines as being good to go, didn't even care, and then we ended up with the chicanery that we ended up with as a result of using those damn voting machines. Back to Pennsylvania. The AG over there, Josh Shapiro, was saying before the election even took place that, quote, if all the ballots are counted, Trump will lose in Pennsylvania. End quote. A bold prediction or perhaps some foreshadowing. But again, this is one of the guys in charge of the elections, or watching over the elections, auditing, supposedly, the elections, uh, the elections that appear to be sketchy as fuck on all fronts, particularly in Pennsylvania, as there were multiple ballot locations that just had instructions for how to vote down ballot for Democrats posted right on the door as you're walking in. And this apparently needed to be disputed for somebody to take it down. Unfathomable. You're not even supposed to like wear any a party affiliation, anything related anywhere near a voting booth. Nevertheless, putting instructions up on how to vote specifically for a particular party all the way down ballot. And that brings us over to Michigan, where the AG said that Trump's campaign's main theme in their case for challenging the election in Michigan is, quote, black people are corrupt, black people are incompetent, and black people can't be trusted, end quote. Now, I know the media has convinced 50% of this nation that Donald Trump is a racist, but he would have to be the Adolf Hitler of David Dukes of Joe Biden's to think that he could say this in, in, you know, in the public eye and it would help him in any way, shape, or form. But that's, then again, this is the AG from Michigan, a woman who is overlooking actual evidence of potential voter fraud in her state and uh, looking for the fictional evidence of the racist boogeyman in the White House. Oh, and by the way, that same AG also called Trump supporters Nazis, so there's that. Moving on from there, oh damn, 
I forgot one more thing about Pennsylvania, which is the cesspool of all cesspools. Not only did they kill grandmas in Pennsylvania when Governor Tom Wolf sent a bunch of sick COVID patients back into nursing homes, they also stole grandma's vote. Apparently 25,000 votes were all requested across multiple nursing homes at the exact same time. Added with the fact that there was a statistically staggering increase in voter registration for 90-plus-year-olds in the state of Pennsylvania, and for that matter, nationwide, strikes me as a little odd that in a year where we have all this mail-in voting fraud, which is ripe with opportunities for voter fraud, that a bunch of 90-plus-year-olds all suddenly, who have always, for that matter, had voting mail-in voting available to them because of, obviously, the state of their existence— they could have just been mail-in voting all this time, but all of these 90-plus-year-olds decided to, to, to go register to vote at some crazy percentage higher than anyone could have ever possibly imagined. Could it just be uncanny, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, it could. Is it suspicious? Hell yeah, it's suspicious. And especially when all of these votes are being requested at the exact same time across multiple nursing homes. It seems like it might be some sort of coordinated effort. Call me crazy. And then, then we have dead people voting. Some people as old as 170 years old. In Pennsylvania, a gentleman registered to vote and was born in 1850. 1850. Voted in Pennsylvania. And there was other people as well, not to mention hundreds of votes uh, with with birthdays registered of 1-1-1900. There are some instances where some of this is viable. I believe in the case of like abuse victims and stuff like that, people in the people in uh, like witness protection and stuff like that, they might have sort of these odd birthdays. But nine, but 1870, there is no excuse for that. That's not like a glitch. That's not a default to one one nineteen ninety. That's maybe not even, maybe some of these 1-1-1990s were meant to be 1-1-2000s. Those people can vote now. Maybe there was some glitch on that front. Either way, I think we, I think it's worth getting to the bottom of. Not to mention we have hundreds of people voting over the age of 100. Who knows, maybe even thousands. But again, an astonishing amount of increase in voters for people who are probably dead. Let's face it, these people are probably dead. The likelihood that there was a bunch of 100-year-olds that decided to all vote in 2020 just doesn't seem all that plausible. Even with the mail-in voting, which again, these people would have had available to them anyway because they're too fragile to get off the couch, basically. A dog voted in Minnesota. Woman swears that her dog voted in Minnesota. Basically what happened is her dog is a service dog and uh, <laughs> because of that was in the computer system of like the government for some reason and listed as a student, somehow was registered to vote, was sent a ballot, and sure enough, voted. She had to go find out like how to look it up. She had to create a social security number for this dog basically, which turned out to be like the like its chip ID number basically was entered into the computer system as a social security number. So the system saw it as a student with a social security number, send it a ballot. And then weirdly enough, somebody cast the ballot. I don't even know how you would verify a signature on that. I can't imagine the dog had a signature that was on file. And if it did, it probably looked like a paw, right? I mean, I, a dog voted in Minnesota. Which isn't even all that strange considering I believe a dog was elected in Kentucky to be the mayor of a small town. So, hey, 2020, am I right? Back on track here. All right, so what I'm saying is that I think we can all agree, 
left, right, center, anarchist, socialist, communist, Maoists, you know, Marxist, whatever the fuck you may be, anarcho-capitalists, I think we can all agree that you should A, be human, and B, be alive in order to vote. Yes? Can we agree on that? All right, how about this? Can we agree that when the votes are counted, it should be done in plain view so that everyone can see that there's no shenanigans going on? It should be an essential part of this process that we can all see who's counting these ballots, how they're counting the ballots, what these ballots look like. In my mind, it should run like a casino. We need to get the casinos involved because these motherfuckers, I mean, imagine if you've ever been to a casino and you watch the dealers, these people walk up to the table, they have to show their hands to the camera, top and bottom, they have to do like certain protocols, they're not allowed to grab certain things off table in certain spots, you're not allowed to touch certain things on certain tables at certain times, like if you're on a, a roulette wheel, you have to wait for the dealer to to take the, uh, take the little glass cylinder off of the winning bet or the winning spot before you can place your next bets for the next round. There's a lot of rules going on, and there's a lot of people watching them. There's a lot of cameras in the sky watching every single move. They know where every chip is, every hand is, every drink is. They know everything. Why is our government not running our election system like this in, in just such a way to where it would make all possible thoughts about fraud completely go away? I think it should be done live on a computer. You know, uh, there should be some sort of stream where you're— you're counting ballots, and there's like an overhead camera watching you, and there's somebody watching you count the ballots, also counting the ballots, and you compare. You have uh, 2,000 ballots for Trump and 1,000 ballots for Biden. Yes, yes. All right, great. Certified. Done. We just move on. It, that, that's how this process should be. Instead, we have people in Detroit who disagree with this thoroughly and decided to put a poster board to block poll watchers from watching what was going on during their late-night counting sessions that conveniently all went for Biden. And then we come into Pennsylvania, where they kick GOP poll watchers out of the room, or at least so far away from where the ballots were being counted, they were advised to use binoculars to get a better look. And in Georgia, they just stopped counting in the middle of the night. Oh wait, no they didn't. They said they stopped counting at 10.30pm on election night. Turns out that they had waited for all of the poll watchers to leave, and continued to count until 1 in the morning. Again, another series of votes that conspicuously swung towards Joe Biden taking the lead in Georgia. And, again, mail-in ballots already rife with opportunities for fraud, but in particular, they're also rife with opportunities to be rejected. As a matter of fact, and this is a fact, you can go back, there's at least one New York Times article from 2012 written by Adam Liptak, you're welcome to go look up, um, that will show you that mail-in ballots are, in fact, having a, do, in fact, rather, have a higher propensity for rejection. Every year, mail-in ballots are rejected at a rate of 1% to 2%. This is a fact. That is, that is common. You can go look it up. 1% to 2% every year, roughly, uh, ballots are rejected when they come in via mail. First-time mail-in voters typically have their first vote rejected at a rate of about 3%. Now, in an election where we had more mail-in ballots than ever before, most of which coming from first-time mail-in ballots, or mail-in voters, I should say, what do you think the rejection rate was this time around? Again, normally 1% to 2%. First-time voters, 3%. You figure it's probably going to be around 2 2.5%, 3%, something like that. 
wrong, wrong, 0.03% in Pennsylvania in particular. Now, how is that possible? And how do you think that acceptance process went? When they probably should have had something like 22,000 votes rejected in some counties, they had like 900. That may have been actually across the whole state. Pardon me there. But still, from 1% to 2% normally, 3% for first-timers, in an election where we had more mail-in ballots than ever before, I'm not suggesting it should even be a higher percentage because percentages are inherently what they are. They are a percentage, a chunk of, a, a, a you know, a a proportionate chunk of, no matter what the size of the particular large chunk we're taking this chunk out of is, should always be. So no matter whether it's 100 votes or 100 million votes, you would think it would still be 1% to 2% for regular mail-in voters and up to 3% for first-time voters, 0.03% in Pennsylvania. And again, like I mentioned before, how do you think that went? Oh, well, here's a vote, no address. Oh, but they voted for Biden. All right, write an address on it, put it through. Uh, here's another vote, no signature. And they voted for Trump. Flush it. I mean, does anybody doubt something like that could happen? How many people have we seen put their lives, their integrity, their, their livelihoods on the line to try to screw with Donald Trump and, and get this election overturned or the first election overturned for that matter think of all the julie swetniks and the the uh the the, the blasey fords and all these fucking uh, the e Jean carols these lunatics the, the adam shifts even people who just bald face lie to congress and and to the american public on media appearances and then when they have to actually testify under oath they say very different things like john brennan and john and, and jim clapper for that matter it's all very sketchy and I'm all very worked up about all this, I gotta tell you, so let's take a pause here. How about a poem? I know, not usually something I do here, but I was just kind of jotting some stuff down, and I kind of accidentally wrote something that vaguely resembles a poem. So I present to you, probably for the first time, and maybe last time ever, the right opinion, Poetry Jam, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this poem to you, if this is even a poem. I don't know. You could decide. I call it, Because Democrats Like Initials. The world's largest POS, known as the DNC, push climate catastrophization via AOC. They mourn RBG and pretend that they love BIG, but most of them don't even know they're ABCs. It's as easy as one, two, three. They say no way. We, can't, we couldn't possibly have voter fraud in the USA. And what do they mean? Have they ever heard of Box 13? LBJ was A-OK. -okay because he had some help along the way. Who was it, you may ask? Who drove that car? It was, of course, Mr. FDR, who the Dems should hate because the party's flipped, but we all know that's a load of shit. Isn't it strange how those who RIP'd always seem to vote against the GOP? But voter fraud, they repeat, no way. The FBI and the DOJ, they don't have anything to say. Neither does the last Democrat who cared, by the way. All thanks to our CIA. Of course, his name was JFK. With him, did we lose the USA? Yeah, I'm snapping for myself over here. All right. I don't know what that was. It was a nice break in the show. And so, let's get into whistleblowers and witnesses. People who I was told is a sacred protected class. Fuck, I still don't know if I'm allowed to say Eric Charmel's name, but I guess I just did. Um... Alexander Vindman, uh, again, Blasey Ford, 
the uh, bajillions of anonymous people that have come forward and said things about Trump that are verifiably untrue, like like the liars and the, the the suckers and losers comments and all the other bullshit that you know anonymous source says, and everyone just <laughs> just sucking it up with a fucking spoon. These goddamn sheep out there. I swear to God, like I I hate to sound redundant and I hate to sound over the top about it. But these people are fucking sheep, okay? These are the same people that will mock conspiracy theorists and yada yada, but you like Sasquatch and blah, 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 and like all this sort of stuff. And look, I, again, you guys kind of know my stance on conspiracy theories. It's evolved over time a little bit. But nevertheless, I appreciate people who are interested in seeking the truth, regardless of if the truth they're seeking is reasonable or not. They think it could be. They'll go in search of it. They even find on occasion some evidence of it. But if you think that there is even a fucking fraction of a bit of room between flat earthers and people who watch CNN, I'm sorry to tell you, you are grossly mistaken. They are, they are, for fuck's sake, the people who who think the earth is flat know more, at least, about the shape of the earth than anybody who watches CNN knows about politics. That's for goddamn sure. It's unbelievable. That these people will, they'll call you a conspiracy theorist and they'll they'll say even Fox News and, you, you know, the Federalist, who's paying for the Federalist, man? Who's fucking paying for CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, all these big fucking, it's either an evil fucking uber rich American that they claim that they hate like Jeff Bezos or some fucking wealthy ass telecommunications guy from Mexico who owns the New York Times or some fucking... Saudi oil money that's funding MSNBC and CNN and whatever the fuck. They'll call Trump a Nazi and say he's running concentration camps at the border, but they'll completely ignore the actual concentration camps going on in China right now! Seriously. But please, LeBron, tell me more as you guys make all your fucking Nike shoe money and your fucking NBA contracts and your deals to go over to China once in a blue moon and spin a ball on your finger and pretend you don't see the fucking Muslims getting rounded up like the Jews in the 1930s, you fucking scumbag cucked sons of bitches. I hate them all. I hate them all. Whistleblowers. That's where this all started. Let's start in Michigan. Andrew Sitto and Daniel Gustafson of Detroit, they both signed, and this is important, these people signed affidavits. These are not just Joe Schmo stepping up into, you know, at a press conference with Richard Grinnell or uh, Matt Schlapp in Nevada. Some of those people signed. Uh, at least one of them did, however, supposedly re- recant her story. I think her name was Jill Stokey. She claimed that she showed up and said she tried to vote, and uh, they told her no, and then it turned out maybe she had voted already, and she ended up kind of recanting her story. But there was other people that have actually signed affidavits under penalty of perjury, which is how affidavits work. You sign, uh, and it's notarized, and there's a witness, and yada, yada, yada. So some of these people, Andrew and Daniel in particular, have some things to say. Let's hear what Daniel has to say first. He says, he quote, according to his affidavit, witnessed tens of thousands of ballots being delivered to the TCF Center that were not in any approved, sealed, or tamper-proof container. Large quantities of ballots were delivered to the TCF Center in what appeared to be mail bins with open tops. Contrary to the law, these ballot bins and containers did not have lids, were not sealed, and did not have the capability of having a metal seal, end quote. So Daniel found some votes that were obviously being delivered 
to the TCF Center in Detroit in the dead of night in a bunch of open containers, which is contrary to how they're supposed to be delivered by the law. Let's hear what Andrew Sitto had to say. He says, and I quote, At approximately 4 a.m. on November 4, 2020, tens of thousands of ballots were suddenly brought into the counting room through the back door by vehicles with out-of-state license plates. Exhibit C is cited here, so he has some evidence, apparently at least a picture of one of these cars with the license plates that's from out-of-state. It was observed that all of these new ballots were cast for Joe Biden. End quote. Well, that's not where it ends. We got Zachary Larson also in Michigan. He witnessed ballots, ballot counters peeking into the secrecy envelope of ballots and then, sort of like I mentioned before, making the determination as to whether or not they should be tabulated. He witnessed some folks take ballots that didn't even have a secrecy envelope, which should have been disqualified and processing them without issue. He also mentions that he happened to notice people backdating ballots, as well as ignoring the signature verification part of the process. But guys, these elections are super secure. Don't worry, Nancy Pelosi said this is the most secure election that has ever been conducted, which if you believe, my God, do I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. But, you know, I don't know what these right-wing radicals are moaning about. Clearly, this is all on the up and up. Oh, wait, we've got somebody else here, Jesse Jacob. She also signed an affidavit under penalty of perjury stating the following, and I quote, On November 4, 2020, I was instructed to improperly predate the absentee ballots received date that were not in the QVF as if they had been received on or before November 3, 2020, she stated in her official affidavit. I was told to alter the information in the QVF to falsely show that the absentee ballots had been received in time to be valid. I estimate that this was done to thousands of ballots, end quote. My God. So thousands of ballots being delivered in the dead of night through means that are clearly illegal by cars that are from out of state. And then you've got people backdating absentee ballots that were supposed to be received by a certain time that were not. This person uh, testified as much in her sworn affidavit, all of what I just told you is just Michigan. Let's move on to Nevada. These particular whistleblowers are anonymous to the public, but they have also signed affidavits under the penalty of perjury. The, the, the identity of those people has just been blacked out from this particular article that was published by the Washington Examiner. These particular witnesses said, and I quote, I personally witnessed two people handing multiple unopened mail-in ballot envelopes to two other people who then opened and filled out the ballots against the side of a, Bar of a Biden-Harris van, the affidavit said. Which, by the way, that van shouldn't have even been within a certain distance of the polling place to begin with, but neither here nor there. Getting back into the quote, they continue. And I quote, The same two people who marked the ballots then put the marked ballots in official pink and white envelopes. These people were not poll workers. They continue, By my final walking lap, there were five or six additional people who formed a human wall which moved as I walked by, apparently in an attempt to block my view of the four people who were opening envelopes, marking ballots, and placing those ballots, ballots in pink and white return envelopes. That's a signed affidavit from somebody on the scene who basically saw that there was a ballot manufacturing factory going on in the parking lot of this particular voting location in Nevada. If that's not fishy, fuck I don't know what is. 
Moving on to Pennsylvania. This is a big one. This is Richard Hopkins. He works for the USPS, the United States Postal Service, and he heard basically his local postmaster directing other employees to backdate ballots that came in on November 4th, and that supervisor, that postmaster, even admonished one of his employees for not backdating a ballot, and that is obviously according to Project Veritas, and the whistleblower's name is Richard Hopkins. Now, there has been much to do about Richard Hopkins, as Washington Post reported that, um, that Mr. Hopkins has recanted his statement. Well, Mr. Hopkins then took to the internet, put out yet another video, doubling down, stating, I did not recant, and as a matter of fact, much of his statement, in addition to the actual fraud, a lot of what he told Project Veritas and James O'Keefe in his sit-down interview with them was about the intimidation he faced by federal officials who were questioning him about this particular subject matter. He wrote a complaint, signed an affidavit, has not recanted, and was intimidated by interrogators to try to get him to recant, and he did not. He even recorded some of this exchange. You could check that out on projectveritas.com. I have at least uh, one of the interviews linked in the show notes for you, but the other ones should not be too far away from there. So at the end of the day, what am I saying happened here? I really don't know. I do know that a lot of this is suspicious. I know that the mainstream media is completely silent on it, which has my ears perking up a little bit, and the needle on my bullshit meter is about to snap off. Now, I don't know what happened. I know a lot of this sounds fishy. I know that there's a possibility that computer glitches were used to try to flip this election, that ballots were being manufactured or just shipped in from different places, that they were being harvested from people who were either dead or too old to know what was going on. Some of them were dogs. I heard even in some states that there were children that had been receiving ballots and sure enough had voted. All of this needs to be looked into. And as I said before, I don't know if any of this will ultimately overturn the results of the election. But I want Donald Trump to kick and scream and gnash and wail his teeth and do whatever he's got to do in order to ultimately get this system audited. If, in fact, they are ever planning on doing something like this again, we need to know that this system works. And frankly, I don't think it does. I think the confidence in it is lacking, even in, you know, even in Democrat circles. If you really ask them, you really nailed them down, what you really think about mail-in ballots. New York Times used to write articles all the time about how mail-in ballots were an issue. They kept saying that there was more inaccuracy in voting as mail-in ballots were getting uh, increased over time. Absentee ballots and mail-in ballots and all the different excuses to use one or the other had expanded. And as it did, a greater percentage of mail-in ballots were coming in. A greater percentage of those were getting rejected. And a greater percentage of voters were ultimately disenfranchised. That's why we never did this before. Of course, it would be easy to just mail everybody a ballot and hope that they could get it back and that nothing would go wrong. That would be ideal, but that's not the case. That's why we never did mail-in balloting before. They used uh, a pandemic to strike fear in enough places to cause this system to be implemented. They changed the rules of the game midstream, and then they did a bunch of what appears to be sketchy-ass shit along the way in order to try to steal this election from Donald Trump. So rather than give you my theory on what really happened, I, I, again, I don't know. It sounds like, you know, like I said, sounds like they implemented just about everything that they could conceivably implement in order to try to get this taken away from Trump. And a lot of people will ask, well, why didn't they just do this in 2016? They never thought Hillary would lose. And that's why we've had a lot of the 
pushback from the deep state and the Democrats and even some of the rhinos along the way is because they know that they should not, that none of what happened in the last four years should have happened. Hillary Clinton should have been president. It was her birthright. It was written in the stars. They never thought for a second it wouldn't actually come to fruition, and it didn't. They weren't going to risk it this time around. So let me throw you to Dan Bongino. This is sort of a long clip, and he kind of trails off on to a, a bit of a plug in the middle of it. So my apologies for that, but I'm going to leave it in there. Dano's a good guy. You guys know I respect the shit out of him. And uh, despite the fact that I said he could eat a dick earlier in the program, I still respect him. Um, and he's got a, a bit of a, a theory, I guess, on what he thinks actually happened here, how it all went down. And he typically knows a little bit more than what he lets on on air. And he, he seems to have been doing a tremendous amount of research about all of this, talking to Giuliani, talking to Sidney Powell, talking to tech experts, Jeff Carlson at Epoch Times, his own sources. He's, he's got a lot of knowledge in this way, and he definitely puts his nose to the grindstone and does the research in a way that, frankly, I wish I could. But, like, I've got a real job. He doesn't. He's, his job is to do this. Um, moving on, let's get into Dan Bongino's take. Again, this is a bit of a long one, but... See if you could follow what he's saying, why things broke out the way that they did. And to me, I, I can't prove any of this, nor can Dan. He is speculating to his, you know, to, to give him some credit here. But it is very interesting and it seems entirely plausible. Dano, take it away. Donald Trump's election day victory tallies. A victory, I mean in the I mean he was he was winning in such big numbers were unexpected. Why, Joe? Because the ridiculous polling, the Democrats had no way to know that was coming. They thought he was going to be down by seven in Pennsylvania. He was up by hundreds of thousands of votes. I think there could have been a panic. If there was fraud, looking at these statistical anomalies, it likely happened through the mail where people who were low propensity voters, ballots were taken, filled out for them. And in a rush to get them in, realizing they had hundreds of thousands of votes to make up, they only filled out the top and just sent them through the machines. If it didn't happen, fantastic. If it did, oh, do we got a big problem on our hands. And by the way, Jenna Ellis in the interview show goes to at length what happens if that did happen and the vote is totally discredited. Well, what do we do then? What if we have to throw out that vote? We can't re do a re-election. How does it happen? Well, it goes to the state legislature. And if they can't pick someone, it goes to the Congress if there's not 270 electoral votes. That's how it had. There's a process for this. None of this is unprecedented. This stuff has happened before. Where votes were questioned. So I talked about the roll-off. In other words, the unbelievable percentage of people who only voted for the top of the ticket and didn't vote down ballot at all. Also explains why so many Republican congressional candidates defeated Democrats in districts where Biden overperformed. You tracking? Because they didn't vote for the Democrat congressional candidate. They didn't have the time. Right. If it was a voter fraud effort, they just had to scratch the top. You just get it in. Just get it in. So they didn't get the votes at the bottom of the ballot. So the Republican votes, which were likely an honest count, their candidates won down ballot while President Trump lost. And that makes sense to you. Trump brings out the most outrageous high number of voters we've seen. 71 million blows it out of the water in voter turnout. Donald Trump in a Trump election where he's there and he loses and everyone down ballot wins on the Republican side. That makes sense to you. Combine that with another statistical anomaly that all these people didn't vote down ballot that 
historically low numbers of mail-in ballots, percentage-wise, were being rejected. I'm going to get to that in a minute, too. Despite the fact that we have a pretty consistent number, 1% to 2% of mail-in ballots, almost every election, Joe, are rejected because people don't fill them out right. But yet, in Pennsylvania, it was 0.3%. Wow, that's kind of weird, considering how many mail-in ballots there were yeah. and everything going on with corona. Isn't that weird? That's weird, Dan. Another statistical anomaly that just defies explanation. Man. Yep. Sounds a little weird when you hear it all put together that way, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound just a little bit odd? Doesn't it sound like something that at least merits looking into rather than just go, no, 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 no evidence of fraud here. No, no, no. Just go on. Joe Biden's your president. Don't, you know, the, the fact that they are rushing to this and that they're not even a little bit curious. These the people who claims to this day that George W. Bush stole the election from Al Gore in 2000 or that Stacey Abrams is really the... The, the governor of Georgia, or that Hillary Clinton should really be the president today because of Russian collusion. These are the people that are now just poof, completely disinterested, don't care, don't want to know, don't see nothing, don't hear nothing, don't want to. I, I just, I can't bring myself to take any of these people seriously, not that I ever really have. So at the end of the day, do I know that we're going to be able to prove all of this fraud? No. Do I know that even if we do prove it, if it's enough to overturn the election? No. But no matter how you spin this thing, no matter how you're looking at it, I'm going to say this unequivocally, the Democrats stole this election. And it just depends on really where you sit intellectually. That could mean a variety of things, right? That could that could mean, one, that they literally physically stole this election by calling states early, by counting votes that conveniently were trickling in days after the deadline, by dead people voting, people invalidly voting in states that they no longer live in, fake ballots, computer glitches, data dumps, massive one-sided votes coming in, people only voting at the top of the ticket, whatever. All of the things I laid out in this show, all of it possible, all of it possible at the same time for that matter, that could very well be. But even if... Again, we cannot prove all of that or prove it on a scale wide enough to overturn the election or even wide enough to maybe open a few eyes of the CNN audience. Make no mistake about it, the Democrats have spent the last four years with their media mob, their big tech buddies, their academic assholes, the Hollywood hot messes, etc., telling you outright lies about Donald Trump and his supporters. They're telling you Donald Trump and his supporters uh, you know, Donald Trump and his supporters say that they're all neo-Nazis and Klan's members and, and, and that he, Trump called Mexicans animals and rapists and that Trump called military members suckers and losers and that Trump removed the bust of Martin Luther King from the White House, uh, that Trump called Nazis very fine people, Trump ruined our standing in the world, Trump started the caging of children at the border, Trump is a fascist, but then when he didn't act like enough of a fascist, the media was freaking out about him and that just led into the whole COVID narrative. Then he's fallen asleep at the wheel all of a sudden, even though they wanted him to be a fascist, but he wasn't a fascist, and so he wasn't fascist enough, so obviously he wasn't doing anything, because obviously anybody in that role should be a fascist. Like their nice guy, President Supposed-Elect uh, Cellophane over there. He's a nice guy, and he's an incorruptible statesman, obviously. His, his son's laptop, nothing to see there. His business dealings with Ukraine, Russia, China, nothing of importance there. Donald Trump's impeachment was was a whole nother mess that they they completely misconstrued and ultimately 
tried to make you think it was worth taking seriously when it was nothing short of just a political hack job from beginning to end from both the media and the Democrats and the Hollywood assholes and the fucking blue check marks and the Twitter libs and the TikTok thoughts. Again, a lot of mention this week. Trump, <laughs> Trump's impeachment was really, oddly enough, about Joe Biden's wrongdoings. They believe that Kavanaugh was a rapist. They believe Amy Coney Barrett is some sort of weird subjugated woman who assented to the halls of the Supreme Court and that Joe Biden and Barack Obama were all just innocent in the whole Spygate narrative. These are the people that have just repeated these lies over and over again. They've looked you in the face. They've told you it was true. Their sources were anonymous, even though the counter sources were not. They still maintain that these narratives are real when they've been debunked. But then again, these are the same people that tell you boys can be girls, that Michael Brown was an innocent black man who was just standing there with his hands up yelling, don't shoot, when he was shot. These are the same people that tell you that the tax cuts went only to the rich when they went disproportionately to the middle class. They have no interest in truth or reality. They only have interest in their narrative. And their narrative is designed to keep you confused, to keep you scared, and to keep you, most importantly, ignorant. And that's what leads you to vote for somebody like Joe Biden, supposed president-elect cellophane. That said, we're going to wrap this up. And I normally, and by the way, there is a, an article from, uh, from, from Newsbusters, I believe, and the end of the show notes that will give you some more information about all of the gaslighting, the propaganda, the misinformation that's been going on for the last four to five years that led people to think it was a good idea to vote for Joe Biden in the first place. Whether or not they stole this thing physically, they stole it mentally because they convinced enough idiots that 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 fiction was reality and that reality was fiction and that Joe Biden, you know what, I laugh. I laugh every day I drive home. There's a woman who's got a Joe Biden sign in her front yard. And it says, truth over lies, Joe Biden. This is a guy who has professionally lied his entire adult life. Since he was 26 years old, running for office, too young to be a senator, he was ultimately welcomed into the Senate, stayed there for 40 years, did fuck all other than say a bunch of racist shit and lock black people in, in behind bars, and then he became the vice president, did nothing of substance other than enrich his own family, and now he's got the audacity to sit here 50 years after he started working in, in government and saying, oh, now I'm going to start fixing all your problems, and people thought that makes sense to them. They stole this thing. They convinced enough people that black was white and that white was black. My daughter's getting old enough now to where I could start really trying to explain this stuff to her, and I, I think I say that sentence to her all the time. I say, kid, I would not be pissed off about this sort of stuff if it didn't affect you. It affects me, it affects you, it affects, you know, Gaga and Peepa, it affects everybody. Like, you know, the, and, and the reason that I get so passionate about these things is these are the things that really matter. Yeah, I get passionate about stupid stuff, pro wrestling, Marvel movies, whatever. Sports used to be the case, my Mets still. And then, thank God, the Mets finally look like they got a, a bright future ahead of them, knock on wood. But uh, thank thank you to Steve Cohen and for Mayor de Blasio for not fucking that up. Does it look like he was going to try to? Neither here nor there. I get I get riled up about stupid shit, but I get the most riled up about this shit because it's actually important. These, these things affect our lives. Tax rates, regulation, judges, the Constitution. These sorts of things matter, and people need to fight for them. And if I got to be the last one, goddammit, I will be the last one. I believe in this stuff. I stand for something, and I'm going to hold my head high 
regardless of how this works out. Anybody who tells you that you're a loser because you supported Donald Trump, you just congratulate them on the first thing that they've ever had in their life that even vaguely resembles a win, the type of pathetic people that are getting all wild up and think that their their life is important because of a fucking skewed popularity contest somehow validates their existence. Fuck them. I didn't need Donald Trump to validate my existence. Donald Trump just implemented the policies that I believe in, and that's why I stand by him. I don't worship the guy. I don't obsess with the guy. But I do admire the guy because I still look at him as a guy who stepped down from a life of extravagance and wonderful whatever he wanted. He could literally do and say and fuck and eat whatever he goddamn well pleased, and he could have done so in the privacy of his own life. Uh, somewhere secluded in a penthouse somewhere. He didn't do that. He stepped down. He took a hit financially. He took a hit socially. He took a hit personally, and he stepped up for America. And for that, I will always respect the man, come hell or high water. Which brings me to the closing segment. I normally normally close out with something on a high note. Um, Austin, 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 Frosty, Austin, Frosty out there hit me up in DMs and on Twitter. It said, man, I need another show. And I was like, dude... I'm afraid I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret. And it wasn't really something I was going to say that um, that I was I was afraid I was going to, you know, get canceled for or that I was going to get too hot about or anything like that. Really, look, I try. As you guys know, I try to look at things rationally. I try to look at things objectively. Facts don't care about your feelings. I, I try to keep my emotions out of it as much as humanly possible. I've become very much aware in the last six months or so, how difficult that truly is for me in particular because I am so invested in all of this. And again, I stand for something. You might not agree with it, but God damn it, a lot of people do, and I will stand beside them uh, because I think that I think it's worth fighting for. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here fighting for it. That said, I, again, I didn't want to I didn't want to do this segment. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I just think it's it needs to be said. Maybe I just need to get it off my chest. So maybe this is just cathartic for me, if, if, if nothing else. Right after the election, my mom's a big conservative, sends me a lot of stuff when she sees like memes on Facebook, and I'm not on Facebook, so she, she kind of is my, 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 I guess my, my lifeline to some of that stuff that's going on out there. She sent me a picture, little illustration. Political cartoons can be incredibly powerful. They're such a great weapon. Um, this one hit me way harder than I, than I really wanted it to. You could probably tell already by the, the tone of my voice that I'm I'm having a little difficulty talking about this. Um, I looked at this photo, or this picture, and uh, it was the Statue of Liberty uh, being hugged, like kind of consoled by Donald Trump. And the quote said, I tried to stop them, but I'm only one man. And, man. I I got so angry. I got so sad. I got so just, uh, man, I almost spiked my phone on the ground. Like, I was so angry in that moment. Not the type of angry to where anybody has to worry about anybody's, you know, health or safety, but close. <laughs> I just looked at that and I said, man, did I do enough? What did I even really do? I always kind of thought this show was something that I was doing something, right? Like, all right, no, I'm out in here. Maybe I'm not changing minds, but I'm I'm helping embolden some people that already share my thoughts and maybe might not be as vocal. Maybe maybe it's just not their thing to, to be vocal about these sorts of things. Maybe they can't. Maybe they just needed to know somebody else was out there who thought like them. 
Maybe they just needed to get their news or opinions about the news from somebody who wasn't like a radical leftist lunatic screaming at a camera on election night, even though they ended up winning anyway. See Chen Geiger. But could I have done more? Could we have done more? Could I have knocked on doors? Could I have been a poll watcher? Could I have donated more money? Could I have donated my time? Could I have put signs up? Could I have written articles? Could I have put out more shows? Could I have promoted the show more? Maybe I could have reached a few more people. Could I have done more interviews on other shows? Could I have, could I have tried to book myself on guest appearances? Could I try to have gotten other guests on here to maybe help emphasize some of the points that I make? He is just one man. But this was never really about him. You see the memes, you see the, you know, the posters, whatever it is. They're not mad at me. They just, they want to get to you, you know. They, they, they don't hate me. They hate you, and I'm in the way, is, is the, 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 the big meme. And a lot of that's true. Whether or not Donald Trump's doing it for the most noble of reasons, I really don't know. And I don't really care. I don't need to know what's in his heart. I need to know what's in his policies. And his policies have worked for America. That is undeniable. They can try to deny it all they like. But watch. Watch what happens when Joe Biden takes over. See how much he changes. He's not going to change a lot in the way of COVID policy because his COVID policy is Trump's COVID policy. He'll change some stuff in the way of the economy if Mitch McConnell allows it. And we'll see what happens there. But watch, watch when the, he can't change anything as far as the tax rates go. Everything stays as is because Mitch McConnell puts his foot down and this economy comes roaring back. They're going to give Biden credit, even though he had nothing to do with it. It's Donald Trump's economy, and it will be Donald Trump's economy until Joe Biden makes some substantial changes to the economy, in which case it then becomes his economy, and we'll see how it goes. I hope it goes well. I'm invested in the economy. My business is related to the economy. I I need the markets to be doing well. I need unemployment to be low. I need tax revenue to be high. We need we need this. Not just me. We need this as a nation. We need this to to get back from this fucking virus, to try to get some normalcy back in our lives, something I think would have been more easily delivered under Donald Trump. And he is, at the end of the day, just one man up against the machine. And we could have done more. We could have done more. I don't know what we could have done, but I know I could have done more. And I, I kind of have this like reoccurring, I don't know if it's a nightmare so much as it's a daydream, that like I'm going to meet him one day and I'm not going to be able to to look him in the eye and tell him I did everything. And that, you know, not that he's anybody, you know, it's not like I'm <laughs> I'm worried about being at the, the gates of heaven and talking to St. Peter. It's nothing like that. But it's just I've always kind of looked forward to post-President Trump just because I, I, I'd love to meet the man. And I, obviously the chances of that happening while he's the president are very low. He'll probably go on a bunch of book tours and stuff like that and Fuck, I'll go stand on a line and pay what I got to pay just to shake his hand and thank him for what he's done for this country. And I, I, I'm i worried that that day comes and that I'm not going to be able to look him in the eye and, and, and tell him that I did everything I could have done to, to help him. Because he damn sure did everything he could do to help us. I really hope that doesn't happen. Sorry to kind of close this on a downer. I didn't want to do this segment for this reason. And I didn't want to... I shouldn't even fucking put this on air because now I'm all goddamn emotional about it. And again, this is something I not try to be, but it's a dark winter, man. It's dark days ahead. Thankfully, we, you know, we got Mitch McConnell. I don't want to be doom and gloom. We got things in, in place. We still got lawsuits out there. I'm not conceding anything yet until the fucking votes are certified. 
But it ain't looking good. And I'm... I'm I'm disappointed. And I don't know in who. Can I be disappointed in the morons that watch CNN? They're beyond saving. They're morons. That's that's who they are. That's what they'll be. Could I have gotten more people to the ballot box? Could I have knocked on doors? Could I have poll watched? Even in New Jersey, as, as mundane as that might have ended up being, could I have put my time more efficiently towards fighting for what I believe in? I really think I could have, and I, it, it may end up being one of the great regrets of my life, and <laughs> I got a lot of them. So I didn't want to close out on too big of a downer, even though that that is a downer. But so I'm going to close out with the song. Somebody sent me, uh, Kelly, who sent me uh, this, this video via, I believe it was Kelly, who sent me this video via Instagram. Uh, it's, it's a song called Pallets Full of Ballots. I thought it was the perfect theme for this week's episode and the, the perfect way to close being that it is sort of a fun, uplifting tune, even though it is about the theft of uh, democracy or, or our republic more specifically. Um, given the way I just closed the show, hopefully this will lift your spirits a little bit. And we'll be back right here on The Right Opinion, fighting the good fight. We are here to save America and chew bubblegum, folks, and we are all out of bubblegum. So before I let you go, let me just remind you, you can follow the show at therightopinion.podbean.com hominmediagroup.podbean.com, and ratsaladreview.com. And be sure to follow us at Right Opinion Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, on Parlor, and email the show if you'd like, therightopinionpod at gmail.com. And uh, also podcatchers of choice, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Amazon, whatever the fuck, we're pretty much there, The Right Opinion. Just search for the thumbnail that's black and white and red all over, like the New York Times used to be. But it is time for me to remind you that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. But this asshole has the right opinion. And you can only get it right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. I'm Harrison Bergeron. Peace. When I went to sleep, Trump had to leave. How the hell did we go from election day to election week? Posters got it wrong again, they must have been confused But I tell y'all about shit myself when I turn on the morning news Cause they found pilots full of ballots at 3 a.m. All the way from Georgia to Michigan They took the caps off of their sharpies and they filled them fuckers in All those pilots full of ballots, all for Joe Biden That sweet, he got just what he needs. They found just enough folks to get sleepy to He said, Come on, man, I hope you'll be here for Donald Trump said, Fuck that shit, I'll see your ass in court. Bring those pallets from the pallets found at 3 a.m. All the way from Georgia to But it doesn't matter. Cause they found pallets from the ballots at 3 All the way from Arizona to Wisconsin. They want us to 
Donald Trump.